Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Don't let his bark fool you. Roy has a softer side, too. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Here are a few lines from an email from another emergency room doctor. As opioids are more available, this is a Canadian emergency room doctor, as was the other one. As opioids are more available, there's been a rise in opioid addiction in the general population, but that does not mean in deaths. But still, these are not reasons to deprive us and our patients of a great therapeutic tool for a terrible condition, acute and chronic pain, which is one of the leading causes to visit an emergency department in the Western world. If we should restrict or ban any substance that causes addiction and extremely common and serious health consequences, including numerous deaths down the road, why do we allow the sales of tobacco and alcohol? That physician should be joining us very soon as well. It is time you know these things. It's time you know it. Richard A. Red Lawhern, Ph.D., is a non-physician writer, research analyst, patient advocate, and website moderator for chronic pain patients, families, and physicians. His wife and daughter are chronic pain patients, and Richard has been writing about health issues and chronic pain issues for some 20 years. He joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Richard. Good afternoon. uh, Good afternoon. Good to have you with us. Give me a sense, before we, uh, we have a few minutes here, but let's talk about, tell us about your wife and your daughter. My wife presented with a rare facial neuralgia problem about 21 years ago. It's called tic delarue or trigeminal neuralgia. There are very few people who have it, but those who do experience a level of pain that is sometimes called among the worst in medical practice. My daughter is a Parkinson's patient who also has failed back surgery three times and has uh, is on opioids and is being very, very tightly managed on opioids and with a lot of pressure to uh, relinquish them. Um, and right. I talk daily with people on social media in a wide variety of chronic pain groups, not only for these disorders, but, but for many others. Now, I, I just wanted to, our listeners to have an idea of what it is your, your own uh, family members are, are living with. In your initial email to me, you wrote this, the CDC guidelines, the Centers for Disease Control Guidelines, are outright fraudulent and dangerous due to the bias of the writer, writer's group, deliberate cherry-picking of research to support an anti-opioid political agenda, exclusion of contradicting research, and omission of vital Medicare science on the action of opioids in moderating pain. Please speak to that. Right. Well, it turns out that the original group that wrote the CDC guidelines from which the Canadian guidelines are derived 
was very much influenced by addiction psychiatrists and the owners of, of chains of addiction treatment centers. And it didn't have a single practicing pain management specialist on the core group who had ever worked seriously outside a hospital. It had no ethicist on the group. Uh, and it was generally dominated by people who regarded opioids as something that they needed to force out of practice. Now, they got caught when they did uh, some serious cherry-picking and, and, if you will, prejudicial-type selection of studies to base their, their guidelines on. They got caught by a group that went in and checked to see exactly whether or not everything was kosher. And they basically tried to write a case to disqualify opioids, which are effective and which are safe for the great majority of people, in favor of non-opioid medications and uh, behavioral therapies. But when they did that, they applied a criterion to the studies they used from the opioid side of this picture that they didn't apply to anything else. So there's a clear asymmetry. They tried to stack the deck. And moreover, they ignored an absolutely pressing issue that anyone in pain management should have some exposure to. And that is that there can never, ever, ever, ever be a single standard of opioid uh, dosage or of opioid exposure which represents a threshold of risk for addiction. There is no such thing, and there never will be such a thing because the, there is a tremendous variability between patients' ability to break down opioids into the forms which pass through the liver and then on through the blood-brain barrier to do their work in the brain. That's a genetic issue, and it can produce people who uh, metabolize or break down tremendously faster than the average, and others in whom they have very poor metabolism. They can be helped by opioids, but only by such large doses the doctors go 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 crazy over the whole thing because it's as if they had, you know they could take enough opioids mm-hmm. to knock over a horse and still be functional. Now you wrote also both U.S. and Canadian guidelines are phrased as voluntary. They are in fact no such thing. And later in the email, you write U.S. doctors are being driven out of pain management practice in droves, dumping their patients without referral, and in many cases without support for opioid withdrawal. Patients are dying from both suicide and cardiac arrest induced by withdrawal. Exactly. I see this in, in uh, media every day. I see it in both Facebook and other social media. I see it rep- reported in venues like Stat News, which is a, a publication of the Boston Globe Group. I hear it from practicing doctors who have seen um, suicides in their own practices from people they were not allowed to treat under, under the concern for losing their licenses or on, on pain of being maliciously prosecuted. The DEA is deliberately conducting a witch hunt that has no relationship to any serious evidence of misbehavior on the part of doctors. Um, It's out there. It's absolutely out there, and it's out there by the hundreds. I talked to a patient today, not a patient, excuse me, a parent today, whose son blew his brains out after three years of contention with chronic pain when his primary care doctor not only discharged him from practice, but told him he had to go to a methadone center to get a treatment, and the methadone center said that since you're not an addict, we can't treat you. You're on your own. Richard, I, uh, it's a terrible place to end 
but we do have to because we've run out of time. At the same time, it leaves a very strong impression. You and I will talk again on this. Thank you so much for the time today. Good afternoon. Richard Lawhern, Ph.D., spouse and father of chronic pain patients, and he's been at this for more than 20 years and written in major publications about chronic pain and opioids. You know more now than you knew a few months ago, and so do I. We'll come right back and wrap up for the weekend.